story ends up Brontosaurus. Brontosaurus? <laughs> Apparently, that, like, that's not a real dinosaur. Yeah, it is. Like, it is, but, like, it's actually not called Brontosaurus. Like, we sort of invented... It's It's been sort of, like... Well, yeah, there's, like, the, the... There's, like, the... The, the paleological, whatever, no, like, no, technical name. Like and then there's, like, the parts. swag name. The like, male. T-Rex. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm like, pretty sure, like, Brontosaurus, like, is just sort of a bastardized version of, like, a real dinosaur that no one talks about. Uh, I don't know about that. Hello, sweet friends. Welcome to the Van Otrong Curious World Podcast. And I am conveniently your host, Van Otrong. Recording live, well, semi-live, from New York. It is a balmy 70 degrees here in the middle, well, semi-middle of December. It's fucking insane. Uh, People are walking around with, uh, you know, jeans and t-shirts and I know a lot of you are like itching, just like, oh man, I want to break out my North Face. Come on, man, what the fuck? But you gotta wait. You gotta wait. Either that or, uh, you know, put on the heavy jacket and look, uh, look mad hard and just sweat. So it's either looking good and sweating or being functional. We all have choices in life. I don't know. Sweating's not a good look. I don't care where you are. Well, unless you're a professional athlete. Uh,. My guest today is the lovely, the enchanting Emily Hackerson. Uh, I met Emily. Uh, <laughs> we um, we were. I was looking for an apartment in uh, in. I, well, in this particular apartment was in Williamsburg, and uh, it was. Uh, I, I arrived there. It was a Craigslist Craigslist find, and I arrived there, and um, the sprightly. Young lass comes there and goes, hey, you're looking for this apartment too? Uh, so am I. And I'm just like, give her, I just try to give her the coldest shoulder I can. I'm like, yeah, whatever. And uh, so we proceed to go upstairs to this, to this apartment and all hell is breaking loose. There's like a birthday party and the, apart- the, the room that we're looking at is like, it's like a glorified closet with like a, an aquarium window that you can see looking the, into the kitchen and it was like it was just like so bizarrely like stupid, but me and said lass we were like, "God, can you believe it? that's so stupid?" So we went to uh this wine bar next door and uh and then we've been, <laughs> we've been friends ever since uh what's really strange is uh many moons later, I actually ended up uh getting an apartment a block you know, a few blocks away from there where I currently, I currently live not too far away from that wretched apartment. I'm about two blocks away from that wine bar. Um, of course that, uh, said, uh, lass is Emily Hackerson. Emily is, uh, well, she's a lot of things. She's bright and funny and introspective. Uh, this conversation, we get into, Mindfulness, uh, the art of uh, a proper hug. There's a lot of high fives, a lot of good stuff, a lot of great energy. Um, she's just a she's just an amazing person. I I would be, you would be a troubled soul to meet her and say, ah, oh, God, what a bitch. No, my friend, you're the you're the one with the bitch like symptoms. Emily Hackerson is one of a kind, and I love her to death. And I think after you listen to this, you will too. Without further delay, 
my enchanting conversation with the one, the only, Emily Hackerson. He said, baby, what's the big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you want to say. You're going to die one day. For example, I could kiss you just because I want to. What's the difference if you turn away? I'm going to die one day. really needing a dose of these clumps. And the National Immigrant Integration Conference um, that's in New York City this year. And I've never been, um, and I think it's only a few years old, but this is the year that I really am invested in the work that they're talking about in a, in a new way. And so I just felt like I had to be there and meet a lot of people that have a lot of stories that I should know and use. Wait, your, your, your job doesn't know you're here? <laughs> no, they do. Oh. But they don't know. I also was just like desperately needing hugs from people that I know. <laughs> oh, how's that unprofessional? I don't think that's com professionally compromising. <laughs> no, there's not the like, hi, um, by the way, like I, am, I have like a really low quantity of hugs left in this past six months, so I'm going to need to go <laughs> eastward where Thanks. I can refill. <laughs> I thought that was the opposite. I thought on the east coast you, we were not very huggy, but maybe no. down south they were. This is how it works in my life. Like I, I'm huggy, so whoever is around me just is sort of subjected to becoming huggy. Oh, you want to receive <laughs> as opposed to give, so, right? Yeah, you wanna, yeah. Okay. So these people already know me, so I don't like really have to initiate oh, I get as it. much. <laughs> But on, on, uh, in Arkansas, where I am now, um, I have really subjected quite a few people to uh, <laughs> Emily Hug regimen. But here I have a friend, for example, that I saw last night that um, we really, we really, one of the most beautiful moments in our relationship is that she told me once, Emily, I didn't really like to touch people before I met you. And now I hug. And it was literally like I like almost cried. And I think she might have been sarcastic a little bit, but I also forced myself into the bathroom with her once when we had been drinking at a house party. And, and it turned out okay. And so one of those things where you feel like you have to mildly traumatize someone and then they come out of it and they're like, they have some time to reflect and then they're like, oh, okay, like that was okay. And, then, and now the she hugs together. people, not just me. Like I've seen her go up to someone and hug them. Um, so that's why I'm here. <laughs> if somebody is uncomfortable, what is your what is your gauge of like? Okay, yeah. maybe I shouldn't. Well, so I had to backpedal out of a hug actually just a couple of weeks ago. My um, my roommate's boyfriend is just like really awesome, dry sense of humor type of a guy, and I don't know what overcame me, but sometimes I'm just like possessed by the spirit of the hug. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and so I, I see I see a church. It was I, see, a, I see tax incentives. <laughs> Thanksgiving. I mean, come on. That's like prime hug, hug season. Um, and so uh, we were all like, I don't even know, I forget the context, but at one point I just like went full in because I'm really short. So I like, I kind of like hugging tall people because it's like this, uh, that's another story, but like he's really tall. So the hug was just sort of like a waist hug. But at the end, um, my roommate's like, yeah, Brian, and we're all still there together. And like Brian really doesn't like it when people touch him. <laughs> it's like, at all? <laughs> First of all, I was like, that's kind of sad. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I don't know. That That's worth examining at a what, what, was it Was it like hugging like a tree? Well, yeah, there was mo I was mostly doing the hugging and he was mostly like primed, I don't know, like not done. I, I've never, like, so is there, uh, 
I usually go double underarm. Like if you notice when I saw you today, I did double underarm. And then, but I've also done like one overarm and one underarm. But it also sometimes I feel like I'm like clenching somebody. What 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 is the what is the appropriate based on size proportion approach? No, it's all different. So if they're really big, I'll just go sideways, like you're hugging a tree. Literally, like you know what I mean. Like like, like a, a judo throw. throw. Like, like, I literally it's just like you kind of come at the side and just like two arms around and. And like your face is kind of like smooshed into their ribs, that's what I prefer to tell people. <laughs> the only one I don't like is like when someone tries to snap your neck off. You know what I mean? That kind of hug where oh, when they kind of do like the forearm like the in the back. Column is a thing. And then, not a fan of getting your neck snapped. No, and then like it's awkward to come out of a hug and be like, oh god. <laughs> As you know, you've been subjected to. Like, no, I'm I'm definitely a hugger, and then it was brought to my attention, and then I was then I became a little self conscious about it. Well, I, someone made you self conscious about hugging. Well, I heard through a third party. This is actually a few years ago. I heard through a third party, like, oh yeah, Van just like like he just like he really likes to hug people. <laughs> so I like was shamed. Don't you ever, <laughs> yeah. ever make shame that? Yeah. Oh well, he also does crystal meth, but this hugging thing. Oh jeez, he needed some help with that. So I did. I, I never. I never. It was. Yeah, I, I guess I never really thought it was that big of a deal. But uh, yeah. I guess I guess I don't know a lot of people. It is actually we're talking about hugging now, and it's always kind of been a joke that I hug a lot. But I I think it's like a really serious part of my personality. Where, or I mean, your family. It must be like I'm really. I I struggle right like this guy that I I had to backpedal out of the hug from. I was like, do people. I don't know. Maybe this is like your my inability, my in- to like be sensitive to other people's like desires. But I'm like, do people that don't like to hug just don't know that they don't they'd like to hug yet? Like, cause they haven't had enough people hug them in the right way in the right context. Like, you know what I mean? Like, some people. Is it just because my family is insane and it's just like one giant hug after another in between fits of crying? Like, <laughs> we just like mix trauma with hugs, so it's sort of like all we can <laughs> out. But I don't like that's my question. So I just. If it feels right, I hug, and then, and then you never apologize for a hug, but you might promise not to hug again. <laughs> yeah, I've kind of, I've kind of, it's weird. Like my family is definitely very like closed. We're not. Um, I think like I, I would imagine like most families, we're we're not really forefront with our emotions, and mm-hmm. I kind of wish we were. We're not very good uh, a, a conversationist in the sense that you know, we can explore certain things without getting emotional about it. But we've always been pretty good huggers. But there never been quality hugs. Wait, like, what do you mean? You're pretty the, good huggers but not quality no, hugs? No, the, the quantity, not the quality. Oh, so, like, I come home okay. and we all... So there's a lot of hugging, but it, it's more like like Frankenstein's monsters come up from the dead and we're all like... Burr, burr. I'm like, that's fine. Just, like, I shouldn't be judgmental. It's like hugging a robot sometimes. <laughs> but I'm not going to give, like, a class... I mean, what is... Like, yeah. I'll take it. That's fine. Like, I'm not complaining. You know, but it's all, but it's more like, yeah, like yeah. a, like a hugging like a mattress sometimes. Well, so then how did you come into your hug then? Because you've got I'm, a great hug then. I'm, uh, well, because somebody told me about it. She's, somebody said like, I hug like a old man. So I, I corrected that. <laughs> like I have like, like, like a back band and scoliosis. And so I, I try, I, I correct, I, I, I was always aware of that. Yeah. That, no, I'm, I'm really grateful for that because I think my family might go onto the other end of the spectrum and do, like, too much emoting. Um, <laughs> there's, like, not really an emotion filter at times in my family, but uh, I don't know. It's, I, it's So, wait, so, like, 
See, I, I have so my family's opposite spectrum. So is your family like? Uh, can I, can, is it like Dawson's Creek? Like, hey, can I talk to you for a second? And then like the music cues, and you guys are like really like sharing. Well, we've all got our own variation. So, I mean, full disclosure, both my parents are therapists. They weren't their whole lives. So my dad's been a therapist since I I remembered, along with other things. They're all like multiple career type people. But my mom, most more recently, became a therapist officially, like licensure wise. But she's been a therapist her entire life because like it was just I remember having conversations um a varying degree like with my father it was usually more structured with my mother it was more like express yourself and my father was like we're gonna sit at this table and you're gonna say use an I statement and tell your sister why you don't what she's done and then she's gonna say I heard you did you hear her I heard you and then like these like very formally structured sort of like that we're going to learn from this moment, right? Wait, like, how, how, how to at what age were you like, oh, indoctrinated with this? About, I don't know. I mean, like we were six? Like, <laughs> it makes it sound like we were so like organized. It really wasn't. Like It was just we were wild and like we were, we needed that probably more. No, but I would, I, I'm just trying to, like, that would, it must be very hard to, to, to digest as a, as a kid. You know, it, I think it was probably did start then, but it was definitely even like in middle school or. I think probably even happened once in high school where it's just you're you're having so much trouble communicating, right? And you're just screaming at each other, and then you, you're forced to sit down at the table together and just be like, "I'm upset because you wore that shirt that I was gonna wear on Tuesday, and you knew I wanted to wear it on, and like now it's dirty and it smells like your sweat, and like I don't have time to wash it, and so." So your dad would like sit you. <laughs> can I say your name? Yeah. He would sit you and CC down and be like, "Hey, so we're gonna we're gonna discuss this." Yeah. Yeah, really? Like, but it was it was he was like it wasn't really that it was much more like military therapy where it was like we're sitting down and you're gonna express Celia use an I statement tell your sister how you feel and why you feel that way and then it was like and then you all this was the part that killed you right because you had to sit there and you're seething and you're just staring at this person and and you'd have to respond you'd be like did you hear her do, do you understand before you could respond right before it's like you get your rebuttal you're like I hear you. <laughs> but I'm judging you too. <laughs> but um, I think about those moments now sometimes when I meet adults and myself when I'm having like a really poor communication moment, which just happens all the time. I'm just like, I statements, I statements. But it's not normal. Wait, wait, let's talk about it. I, I'm a little con- uh, can you Can you talk about that? What, what? what is the I statement? Oh, I statements. Okay. So the concept, and this has actually worked magnificently so I highly recommend people if you try this out so it's really simple it's like whenever you're talking to someone about a heated element or a heated conversation topic like no one I mean I feel like the biggest failure of conversation is that people get defensive or they feel attacked and then they totally retreat or they become aggressive and then all is lost right because then you're just pissed off or you're like crying inside in a corner and you can't like express yourself you know so like those are the options as soon as someone feels attacked it's me Monday through Friday (laughs) so the I statement and so you can't tell someone else how they feel right it's sort of like taking responsibility for your own emotions and how someone else's actions made you feel right because that person can't, can't say they can't negate the fact that like then when you, uh, when I walked in today and you gave me that like underarm hug and it hurt me, I felt like you weren't investing enough in this hugging opportunity and it was like a failed hug, you know? And like that made me really sad because we only get like one hug a year. And so then I could say, I feel this way. I, when, when this happened, 
it affected me this way, right? But I can't be like, you are a shitty hugger. You failed to hug me in the appropriate manner. And now you've wasted our motherfucking one opportunity to hug all year. Like, right? Like, so it's, it's <laughs> making you wrong as opposed to letting you know how I feel. Okay, so that, that, um, those statements... How were they as a as a child to receive that that type of instruction? I mean, it's hard, right? Because when you're a kid, at least for me, everything like I feel like kids have sort of a built-in sense of empathy, obviously, because we're humans. But you're, you're like everything. Maybe we don't grow out of this. Actually, maybe it just gets worse as we grow up. But like, there's this selfishness in your perspective like everything that happens to you is like only important because it's happened to you and how you feel so it forces you to examine not only how you're really feeling and why but it, it helps you understand how the other person is feeling right because you forget that when you're mad or you're frustrated and so you're just like you're just pissed off and so you forget why someone like being able to hear you say like this is how I feel after you did that like I even if I had no context if you were like, the fact that you asked for green tea makes me feel sad inside because coffee's so much better. Like, maybe I had no idea that my action was making you feel a certain way, but because you know, like, well, we were forced to like, sit down at a table and, and like explain our feelings. Um, I don't now I feel like what it helps me pause for a moment and be like, okay, why is this person being so terrible? Or like, am I being terrible? Like, why does that person feel the way they do? So then it becomes like detective work as opposed to like, I just want to slap you in the face. You know what I mean? But that's a tricky thing. So as an adult, to correspond that way with another adult, that's a real tricky thing because you're basically saying, you're basically admitting vulnerability, right? Like, so you basically, yeah. so like I said, you've, you've hurt me. You've hurt me in this way. So yeah. that's really putting yourself out there on the limb because the, the ultimate, the, the, the possible reaction could be, yeah, I don't really give a shit. Right? Well, oh, that's a beautiful statement because you know what? This is tying into things I've been reading and thinking lately. Um, so you're right, right? Like that makes you super vulnerable to be like, I will, I, I, that hurt me. I'm upset because then, right, we're afraid that person's gonna be like, I don't care, or be me, like be even worse, right? I can, yeah. Or, yeah, exactly. or like just grind in that that like sense of horribleness. But for me, I think that the way, the reason it works is because you know if there's a, a mutual respect in that relationship anywhere and to begin with, it's so, super effective. But even if there's not, like I think that vulnerability and honesty like that sense of authenticity shocks people into it shocks them into a place of of like wanting to either i mean feeling badly about or examining their own actions or it shocks them into pausing at least for a moment to be like whoa okay what just happened right like i think we, we're our, our de facto method is to just be defensive, put the wall up, you can't hurt me, I can hurt you more than you can hurt me. Mm -hmm. So when you encounter someone that's really just like, and I know this must happen to you, because it happens to me sometimes, and that's just genuinely open and vulnerable and like direct, it's shocking, because we don't encounter that very often, and like, it's attractive. And I think, you know, I was reading this thing about conversation, right, how to have um, conversations, and, and it was, you know, it's bigger than that, but... <laughs> okay, the book is 450. Thank you. Okay, next. It's not mine, so you don't have to buy it. If I ever write a book, I'll go back on and like. Out of a conversation. Out of a conversation. But the idea. 400 pages. 
after the first page, it's like it's all blank. <laughs> the lip seats over yeah. and over and over. I think my kin- my Kindle's broken. <laughs> no, but so this it shocked me, right? Because one of the things I value most in my life and my relationships, it, so for myself and then for others that I that I spend time with, is authenticity. And like that's such a word that gets thrown around a lot. But for me, it's like someone that's comfortable and direct and honest and authentic, right? In either their actions or their words or what they're they're aspiring towards and it doesn't have to it doesn't mean they're always successful or that they're great people or this or that but they're authentic and where they're at and where they're trying to go and who they are right and so for me this book was sort of saying and how I feel about like a lot of the conversations I've learned to have is like because when you're authentic you are doing yourself a favor and doing someone else a favor because you're really I don't know so for like I think it People that are authentic, it actually gives you power, right? We think being vulnerable is scary, but when you're vulnerable because you really know that's what you want, what you need to do and say, that has so much power, right? Because the other person now has to respond honestly or they have to retreat. And you know when someone's being a jerk and retreating. Mm -hmm. But then you open up that opportunity for them to suddenly shift and respond also honestly or move towards you. And I think like, at least for me, when I meet people that do that, it's really attractive. Those are charismatic, attractive people because they're they're real and they feel and they seem confident, right? And even if they're totally full of shit, you're like, wow, that maybe this person's figured something out at least for themselves that I should be aware of. And so you listen closer, or you can make decisions um, about your relationship with that person more easily. Um, and so it's weird. I'm like totally in the zone now where being vulnerable, if it's coming from a place of of like you're really expressing where you're at and what your needs are in an honest way like there's so much power in that it's so it's like one of the most powerful things you could ever do so i'm i'm trying to do that more often where where it's like even if i'm not in a good place if i'm honest about that right like and it's all i'm framing too like people people can be honest in really shitty ways people can be honest in really then that's not honest authentic you know ways, that's you know? like covering and so that's this right. is that's so this point. is something uh, you know that I, I i've really wanted to get into with you for for a few months now so you take that same uh, i have I, I think we're in agreement there but uh my baseline approach is slightly different because mm-hmm. i always fall because it was taxing for me like i had yeah. so many people in my orbit that were that were just negative or made me feel negative, and mm-hmm. I would try to like, wrestle with that and negotiate their feelings. And then I, and I realized, you know, I'm not responsible for them. They're an yeah. adult, unless I'm talking to a child. Then I don't have any many friends that are children. <laughs> so I just kind of have to let go. I have to remind myself, I'm not responsible. I'm not responsible for anybody on this planet except for me. And then, obviously, taking that information, you could be like, "Oh, how dare you! You're so you're so selfish," or but I actually take it. As, I, I I mean that in a respectful way of like, mm-hmm. you're an adult. You're, you should be able to do what you want to do. If I, I mean, I'm happy to help you walk to, or you know to do these things. But and because I'm not responsible for you, you need to make certain decisions. And if you want to be negative, then that's when I take a step back. And I, I just like, and I do. Like, so I will admit, in terms of my behavior, let's say in our relationship, if one day you were started, you started attacking me, you started saying like, you know, I've been thinking about our friendship, and you're full of shit. <laughs> so the old me. Sorry, <laughs> this text again. <laughs> so the old me would be to try to neutralize that and say like, well, what do you mean by that? Like, can you clarify? 
okay, so me now, and again, this could change and grow, you know, I, me now, I would just, I wouldn't even reply. You know what I would do? And so that energy, that compulsion to reply to you mm-hmm. and to, to help you see something, you know, uh, uh, my point of view, that I'm not a dirtbag, I would take that time and energy and I would communicate to somebody else. Yeah. And that's what I, that, so that's what I do. So. No, I mean, that's a, that's a really good point. And I think people like us maybe that have like overdeveloped sense of empathy it's like hard right you have to learn where, where do you draw boundaries and where so and so I agree like you and that's something I'm learning to do because I think I haven't always done that I haven't done a great job of creating those boundaries I think I try and feel everyone's feelings all the time including my own and then like it's too much it's, it's way too much right and so that's a lesson I'm learning now but for me like those conversations are valuable to have like with people you work with or people that are in your personal life and you choose to have them so it's not like i think right being open or being direct about where you're at isn't necessarily because you want that response like you don't need someone to respond it's more because as soon as you do that you feel better right because it's like you're just saying exactly where you're at and what your needs are and if that person chooses to respond great but if they don't also great and so for in your in like the instance you're saying a friend that's super negative and is draining like that's totally within your and you should right be able to step away from that relationship you have to make the decision of how much do you want to invest and how much do you want to remove like how much is it worth it to you to keep because investing in someone here i mean what i've learned is so this person let's use you as the example calling me a dirtbag <laughs> i've learned that you're obviously I've not done anything exceptional to make you feel, you know, if, if I can analyze myself and said, okay, this person's not reacting to anything in particular. They're kind of going off the rails for mm-hmm. X, Y, Z. So I do have the option to explore that. But I also have the, I also have to have the mindset of, okay, this has nothing to do with me. Uh, they're going through something. And through my own ex- my own experience, I know that Pain is a hard thing to deal with. Yeah. And anger is a good substitute because we can control that. You know, it, it's empowering to be angry. Dealing with pain is something that is, is very difficult. I mean, throughout our society, throughout mm-hmm. any culture in, in the world. So if you want to be angry, I, I really don't have time for that especially when you don't want me involved in part of your solution. Yeah. So I am not a punching bag and I'm not going to be somebody that's going to enable you to continue to be angry too. So This is great, man. I wish this is like these like <laughs> I wish we could take that soundbite and like attach it to the cycle of like domestic violence. <laughs> you know, but for me it's, so fun. it's it's interesting we're talking about this because I'm living. I, I promise this won't transition into one of those conversations where I like complain about my roommate's living situation for like Why not? An hour. No, that's fine. But um, it's just so relevant that I have to mention it. I don't think she'll ever hear this. But so I live in a house. <laughs> You're like, I'm on a podcast. Don't listen to it. Why not? <laughs> uh, just trust me. It's, it's no, we're not really on the <laughs> as you'll see here. So I live in a home with uh, three other women, and they're you know. I have great relationships with most of them. One woman, it became very clear as of a couple of weeks ago, um, is just really, she, quote, she hates me. <laughs> and so it's like, I, 
But the reason, and that I discovered through my other roommate, is that she hates me because I'm too happy. And she cited the fact that I am prone to sing in the kitchen. <laughs> so it's like, so it was one of those moments that you're talking about where before, like hearing that, I would have been thrown into this, like, what did I do wrong? Oh my God, I feel so bad. I would have been totally wrapped up in like emotion over her emotion. Uh-huh. Where, and it's, and it's just like a, is a no man's land where you, let yourself feel you like go to these places of emotions where you're like and then all of a sudden you stop like that's that's not that's not my place to be right and so for me right now in this situation like her her negativity right and her depression is something that i'm actively trying to do two things distance myself healthily healthily from it and be like that's that's her space like someone that's Someone that hates someone for being happy is clearly struggling in a way that I can't fathom right now, right? And and maybe that is irritating to when you're in that space to be around someone that's really in a different place in their life, right? And like yeah. that's a struggle. No, that's that's and a I fair, respect that's that. Like, and so that's the part of what I'm trying to do, right? For maybe in your situation, it's like respecting and understanding that your friend. As much of a jerk as he's being, as irrational as they're or being, she. like, or you, she, or she, you, I don't know, yeah, <laughs> or she, with lots of I'm pointing at you, like, whatever, how irrational they're being, like, that's their real state, like, that's their real felt state, and that sucks. Like, my roommate, she is severely depressed and miserable, and and like, I feel that, like, that is hard, like, everyone's touched upon that at some point in their lives, or they go back to it and they will again at some point in their lives, but. Like, the, for me, what I'm learning to do, and I'm having, like, someone help me do this, right? Like, and that's in my life that really is helping me learn how to do this, is, like, you can be aware and be respectful and and of her state, but, like, don't let her state become, uh, you know what I mean? Like, own it and respect it and have perspective from where she's coming from, but don't let it affect your life because unless you really do have something to change, like, if she hated me because I'm... I don't know, like the world's version roommate. I should reevaluate what I'm doing, but but she pretty much ignores you, right? Kind of, right. yeah. Well, so that's, that's, she's never actually had a direct conversation with me. She'll just like yell things outside my door to my other roommate, like they have to go. <laughs> so it's like it's kind of a heated moment. But I don't, it's really hard because I I have let her energy totally drag me down, right? And then to the point where I've actually asked myself, am I too happy? Like maybe I'm annoying. Maybe like. Maybe I'm just not... And then I literally would spend like an hour evaluating whether or not I've done something wrong because this woman is in a place in her life where like she can't be around people that aren't, right? As similarly... Yeah, I think the and important... so much such a mind But the important, the important thing for you is to make sure that you're judging... That you're evaluating... At this point, make sure that you're evaluating your perception of her based on behavior. Mm-hmm. Right? So... You know, if she, you know, uh, gets in your face and says something very belligerent, okay, that's one thing. That's behavior that you can quantify. But this whole, you know, this bad energy thing, hey, you know, we all have, like, bad days. And like you said, she's she's coping it with it the way that she is. Yeah. The thing that, that bothers me about these types of personalities, I'm not talking about people who have serious problems and, you know, are are, you know, clinically depressed or anything like that. You want to exchange sympathy for respect, and I will give that to you, but that comes at the cost of me respecting you. 
Wait, wait, I don't, will you repeat that? So when people are lashing out, you know, are being angry and covering, you know, their pain with anger and, you know, um, it's basically a cry for help. Like this, yeah. this is like, we're going to use this as an example. So she's mm-hmm. basically crying out and, and to some degree mm-hmm. and she may not even be aware of it. That's basically saying, you know, I want you to recognize how hard my life is. So that's, you know, I want your sympathy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or so validation. over here, I gave you respect. Like I give everybody respect, but because you want this special prism, if you want, I can put you in there, but then that means it comes at the cost. Yeah. That means you're going to, and that means I'm going to have pity on you if that's what you want. And that's the thing that I think I, people in that situation need to be aware of. Yeah. I sound like Hitler, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> we just should put him on a train. I'm like totally unprepared to be able to say anything like reasonable or of, of, of weight on this because it's like, for me, I can only say like how, how valuable is that relationship to me? Like this woman, you know what I mean? This is a transitional relationship, right? right. Like we happen to live in the same house for a while. And so I'm not, it's not, I think in the past I would have felt like it was my duty to somehow cave to her needs and this and that whereas now I'm much more secure in the fact that like this is something she's struggling with I can respect it um, and be and that comes back to the authenticity thing right so in all of our transactions my goal is to remain authentic in who I am and where I'm at and so that is regardless of her and I think that that is the one thing and that's why I think for you even if you even responding or or not responding as long as that's authentic to you and you're not reacting out of their state, right? That's I feel like that's true liberation. Like that's the that's the the, the state I want to be at, where it's like I'm gonna re- I'm gonna respond to you based on how I feel and what my needs are, not out of my anger at you or my my sympathy for you or this or that. It's more just like this is your world and this is something you're struggling with, and this is my life. Yeah, but you're gonna life. but you're gonna have. You, you, you're going to have an, an analysis, an emotional analysis of somebody. You can't help it, right? If I throw yeah. names at you, it's going to have an emotional... Like, if I say... If I say Santa Claus, Steven Seagal, and Donald Trump, like, you have specific opinions of those people, right? Who's Donald Trump? <laughs> some, some dude. <laughs> but, now, that, that's neither here nor there, and... But, I guess... Okay, those are people, and then if I were to break it down to people that you that you know and interact with, mm-hmm. you you know you'd have emotional attachments to them too. But you're, but what I'm getting at is your behavior can be changed. I don't know why I just swung around. Like that. <laughs> I like your behavior, that. Really your behavior it. is is what we can judge because we're not mind readers. Like for instance, I was thinking when you're, so when you came in and I offered you tea, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm drinking coffee, but I offered you tea. So I, I offered you tea because I, I know you're not a coffee drinker. Appreciate that, Ben. <laughs> but you, someone in your position, would be like, "Well, wait a minute. You're drinking coffee. Why didn't you offer me coffee? What the fuck? What the hell's going on here?" You're, mm-hmm. um, but I'm secure in knowing that you don't. That that I'm secure of that information. Mm-hmm. But your assessment of my behavior is due in large part of what you're going through at the moment, right? There's no reason for you to be upset with me because I offered you tea. Correct. And so I guess my point is like, if I'm being authentic in my moment, right, in my communication, 
of that tea scenario, <laughs> I would be like, hey, Van, actually, I see you're drinking coffee. Like, I'd prefer a cup of coffee. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. And that's it. Right? So it's sort of like, instead of, I could, or I could, the two scenarios, right? I say, oh, man, you're all, you know what I mean? You're all drinking coffee. That looks pretty damn good. Like, pass me a glass. Or I could be like, sit there, not say anything, just be super pissed off. And like, yep. this motherfucker is drinking coffee right in front of me. Didn't even, <laughs> I got this green tea. What is this? Like, third of the caffeine. I can't handle this. And, and, Fuck and everyone. then, like, inventing more and more reasons to detest you and for your insensitivity and, and lack of hospitality. And, and so that would, right? That's, like, not authentic communication. That is, like, me inventing really more reasons to be frustrated in a world that's frustrating. Right, so so for me in the past I don't know, well really all my life, but in the past year or so, that's what I've really been focusing on is I can't control you know, if I was in your situation, like I can't I can't control, you know, the person offering me this or Mm -hmm. anything like that I can only, I can only focus on myself and I can only be centered and I have to have the faith that if I'm if I'm honest with myself, and if I'm putting forth the, the the messages that are authentic to me, then then that is the representative of who I am and in the energy that I want. And I can't really control what the hell's going on with anybody else. No, but I love it. Can we? Are we? Can you do high fives on the podcast? Yeah. <laughs> oh, the audio. I get that. Yeah. Um, but that used to mess me up so much. That used to. Um, and I, you know, I used to go through so many twists and turns of like, I should, you know, I want to love everybody. Then I'm like, I hate everybody. Uh, and it really came to a head where I, I was feeling very negative. You know, I, um, I use the analogy. So I had a, um, somebody on the show who, um, moved from Scotland to America and he's a musician. And I asked him, you know, what was the point that he, that he came to America? And he said, uh, there was a time where I, I was just so like miserable, but not miserable. Like I thought I was miserable, but uh, I wanted to like the times where I would like go out to a party and stuff. Mm-hmm. I just knew that like I, I knew I was gonna hate everybody, and I went to the like a party or whatever, and I end up hating everybody. So like my negativity was predictable. And he said I knew I needed to change, I, and I've known him. I didn't even know that. So I that rings true. So I think about that a lot, and I think we've we've all been in situations like that. Uh, I know for me, I've been in situations where, like I've, you know, I've defaulted to you know preparing for the worst and just having this, this like bullshit armor of like, ah, oh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna brace myself for you know whatever, and it's nothing. It's like yeah. what what why why would you, like you said, like being vulnerable isn't necessarily a bad thing. No, I mean, that's what I, right, and like, you can say this on a podcast, and then when you're trying to wield it in your own of life, course, it's yeah, totally yeah. another thing, right? Because I think, for me at least, I I operate in a world of mostly very positive um, and powerful people, and I think that's a product of how I express myself and what I want attracted into my life, and I think that's a big part of it, and maybe just... I don't know, luck? Like, (laughs) I think, I mean, maybe... I I think about that a lot, right? Like, why is it that very infrequently do I come in contact with people like my roommate now? um, And and so I think my my reasoning is that 
being aware, I think there's two parts for me that I struggle with, right? Because you don't want to be naive, and I think having two therapist parents and like growing up in a family with a lot of you know, addictions or mental illness or this or that, like you you don't you don't get to think like those those bad things that depression doesn't exist or it's not real. Like I have so much respect for people in the state that they're in, and and you have to validate it, right? Like the thing that we do is that we get frustrated with people because they're not acting the way we want them to or why are you so depressed why are you so angry and I do that all the time even with all these things that I tell myself in my free time like think this act this way I still get pissed off and I'm Should like I? why are you being so <laughs> everybody's so angry but I want to eat this apple what's going on uh. and then I get angry and I'm like finding myself being totally irrational do you are you a are you are you a nostalgic person oh yeah definitely See, here's an. I was thinking about this the other day. I am very nostalgic about stupid things. Like, I think about uh, like movies and music and uh, like toys. I get really nostalgic when I like see what when a I don't know like a like a really stupid band that uh, was big in the '80s that I know or something like. Mm-hmm. But with people. I'm not, and I don't. It's very, it's hmm. very unusual to me. So, like for like for instance, if somebody, uh, oh, I don't know if I even told you this story. So, um, Ooh, new story. <laughs> so, Cosmo and I were we we did a we we walked over the Brooklyn Bridge, and then I we ran into, um, well, I, so it was my my ex's mother and her. And my ex's sister were there, and they think so. Wow. They're from Vermont, and so they didn't really. I guess they, they didn't know they're, Well, I, but they went. They so her. She asked me. It was a crowd of people, obviously. So she asked me um, the direction to the World Trade Center, and I just said, "Oh, go that way." And then I'm sitting there, like, "Wait a minute, she looks familiar." Wait, really? She's randomly at that's randomly, impressive. and I kept thinking, "Like, moment. wait, she looks really familiar." And then I saw her daughter, my ex's sister, and I went, "Oh, well, that's them." And then I kind of ignored. So there was the impulse of like me, like, "Hey, this is you know here they, I am." They recognized. I don't you. know if they did because it was so quick, and I just because and then so then when we got on the so the subway to, and so I explained to Kaya's who they were, and she was like, you, "You didn't feel like saying hi." I went, "No, does it like?" And I'm not mad. Like obviously, there's no I, no like no filter, no no emotion. Like I said that. That I read that chapter already, and that's done. Like that's. I hope they have a good day. I hope they, you know, obviously they're going to see the World Trade Center or whatever. But that's it. Uh, people who, who, uh, uh, you know, who come uh, come to town and haven't seen me in a while. I mean, I'd like to see them, but it's not really. If unless they're in my current I get orbit, it. I get a van. You're. Di- I'm just here for this podcast. Yeah, that's right. yeah. <laughs> well, well, you could care yeah. less about my. We well, got your photo. <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't know how, why my brain works like that, but I just figured like if like I said if I you're completely out of my orbit, then I just figure like you're you're kind of carried on with your life. Has I, it always been that way, or is that like a new? Were you always that way with people? I think so. Well, I think it's weird. You know, we're talking about your parents, so I think maybe a lot of it has to do with like my parents. I I, I don't know. I'm only speculating because I like, usually is <laughs> there are, like tombs of psychology written about. <laughs> like my 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 dad was very like strict and rigid, and and my mom was very philosophical, mm. and so growing up, I was just very confused about like 
you know, putting like hot water and cold water in, and I'm just like, I'm just a tea bag. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> um, but but yeah, so I'd like to hear your your uh, perspective of nostalgia. Oh my gosh, that's such a big question. So this is gonna sound ridiculous, but I feel like I get nostalgic of things that never happened to me, like, um, you know. Dinosaurs. What do you think about dinosaurs? I think about more about my lens of how I like go through my life, and I think because one of the, my first loves and the one of the things I first love doing and still love to do, but don't really haven't done in a long time, is, is writing and like kind of creative writing, and um, and so for me, nostalgia is sort of that it's like a translation of my emotions in a way where you I like give things more um, value, right? In my it's sort of like. It's weird. I'm trying to articulate it, and I don't think I've ever done this before. So, for example, um, I used to love poetry. Poetry and I go in and out. You know, like sometimes we're on, sometimes we're off. Um, and right now we're just sort of like in limbo. We haven't really looked at each other in a while. But uh, it's kind of like one of the ways that I process things that happen to me is trying to think about it in terms of like if I were to read it and and have it resonate me like via writing or poetry um, and so I find like one of the reasons I'm attracted to poetry is it's very nostalgic for me and it's very in the same way that for me nostalgia is like not really a very long well thought out feeling or, or moment or emotion for me nostalgia is very fleeting right it's sort of this like sense of something but my nostalgia isn't really super well like it doesn't long it, like last a long time right it's very like hovers and it settles on you and you feel it and then it moves on and so that's kind of how I feel about like writing really good writing specifically poetry like you'll find one stanza right and it's usually not a whole poem if it is you lucked out but it's like even one stanza two like three lines and it just hits you and you don't know why but you're like stuck in it and it feels right. good and it feels familiar and it feels like it has value like I chose the road right? less traveled and that has made all the difference yeah so if that's the one line for you like and you don't know why you've not but you've like been on that proverbial road, right? Or whatever it is. So, so for me, nostalgia works in that way where maybe sometimes it will happen with a person, more often places, or m more often just sort of maybe current emotions um, that get translated into these like snippets of nostalgia than I, I can view, right? Like, so it's a way that I place value on things. So I, I don't know if that counts. I know that there's like literature and literature on what nostalgia is and why it's dangerous and why it's important. And, <laughs> and like, no, like you can't like give into nostalgia because it's a false reality. And um, I don't know what the naysayers are really on about. But for me, nostalgia is a really beautiful, powerful thing because it's almost like spirituality where we were able to take things that maybe didn't feel valuable in the moment or, or that were and you're able to like reflect on it and it's also like a way for me like emotional processing right where you're like something that really shitty happened to you it makes you feel something but like for me when I can kind of put it in this weird nostalgic um, place it, it's like I'm reading about it almost right like that was a really great poem that I read that affected me and it made me really sad um, Right, it doesn't have to make me happy. It doesn't have to be a good poem because you like left feeling all pumped up and want to go do dance or something. It's like, fuck, that really hurt. And but like that's why it resonated with me, right? And so like, but you're it's nostalgic, so it's in the past, so you didn't have to. It's not real anymore. So I don't know if that made any sense, but like that's why nostalgia is really important to me. I think because like it's a way to process things and and appreciate them for what they were and, and how they affected your life, and giving them that value and that and respecting that them 
but realizing that it's also not your reality anymore and it is it's like a past reality of something that you're just feeling you're not living anymore um but i respect that like i respect all the things that happened before me or to me for now and even the bad things right and and so that's a way nostalgia is a way for me to be like hey pain <laughs> i see you i'd rather i sense you but I'm, you know what I mean, and it's like part of my poem book of emotions that I just like keep writing my entire life, you know. So, so yeah, you and I know we we're we're in the nostalgia train and it's driving fast, fast. I think you know just what what you just said. I I, I think a lot of uh, where you are currently is reflective of that. So uh, you know, if you're having a, a shitty time, obviously some people are going to be really reflective of things that are you know were happier times back then i guess i'm really happy now so i don't really think about the past yeah and happiness is uh something for me that like i i i'm happy so people Yay! people who said <laughs> no, I people who, who i said that to were like oh shut the fuck up like what are you talking no, about yeah, no yeah no but it, it is it is work <laughs> And it is something that you have to you have to self-define, but you really have to work on every single day. Mm-hmm. So there are days where I feel like shit, and there are days where I'm angry. But there, but there's mecha- there's however you deal with it, mm-hmm. you know. However your your however you want to climb the tree, you have you know the the idea is to get to the top and to look at the top and see the view. So what's your trip like? Like you know, working at it, right? Because I think a lot of people just hope it's going to happen, and when it doesn't happen, then they feel slighted, and then they're even more unhappy. Okay. So for so me, like, what do you do? So for me, like things that happen to you throughout the day, I, I recognize that I have like you wake up in the morning and you a slew of things can happen before you go to bed, like that that, that or things are thrown at you. Um, whether it's news or you may remember something or you'll think about the future or, you know, some of us are in bad relationships or uh, financial disasters or anything like that. So our brain is always looking forwards or backwards. You can't help it. That's just mm-hmm. how we're wired. And so what I always try to do is, okay, this is this moment that I'm experiencing right now of whether it's nostalgia or panic. It's just a moment. So rather than, rather than running away from it, I tried to think about it just for a moment mm. and de- and detach myself emotionally. And I said, okay, is it a big deal? Is it a big deal right now as I'm walking to my destination or as I ride this subway, as this like smelly man is right next to me <laughs> or I hear, you know, or this person is, you know, just sent me this like really like horrible email or whatever it may be. I just say like, it's a moment. And so here's my analogy that I use yeah. is... You know, when we're like, they always say there's light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And I used, that's a good saying, right? I mean, that means <laughs> you're, you're like, driving to destination. <laughs> yeah. So I've, I, I've modified that to what if you, like, what's wrong with being in the tunnel? You know, the tunnel's, the tunnel's darkness. And that's not so bad. Because the darkness, you know, you, it could have like scary monsters. You know, you could, you know, uh, but then that's, that's it. So it's not so bad. So just stay in the dark for a little bit. You know, you'll get to that light. You'll get there. But hang out here for a little bit. It's it's not... It's just a moment. 
You won't be here for forever. Just keep going. But that's the fear, right? Because I'm trying to think back on my own experience of really extreme anxiety. or That's usually what I've struggled with, right? And, and it's like that sense of not knowing, at least initially, right? Like you learn to cope as it as time goes on in different ways. But that idea of like, it really feels sometimes like it's never going to end. And you're not sure. You're like, maybe this is the time that it just comes and it hits and it stays. And you're never over it. But like... I would agree, right, that, that for me, too, it's it's that idea of, of, like, saying hello to it, right, trying to own it and rationalize it in a way, even if it's not rational, but, like, being like, oh, hey, anxiety, why are you here right now, like, what, what is this, what, like, it's that stopping, right, maybe it's being in the tunnel, being like, I'm in a motherfucking tunnel, I don't like this tunnel so much, why don't I like this tunnel, and then really talking yourself through it, because you... But for me, I don't know, I, I kind of, the only thing that helps me sometimes is knowing that it is a moment and that it's, maybe it's a moment that's going to last three months, maybe it's a moment that's going to last three minutes, but knowing that it's not a permanent state is like the only thing that helps me go through that. So I guess you're right, that pervert, like the light at the end of the tunnel, <laughs> god damn the light, it's true. <laughs> no, but what I guess what I'm saying is, you know, the, but it's twofold. You can also, you can remind yourself that this is not going to last forever. That this this whatever this is stressful situation is, but these the situation itself, it's learn from it. You know if we and it's gonna sound real new agey, but Go if there. you if you what? <laughs> Go there. I love it. <laughs> if you can accept that everything that we receive as is a gift, gifts are good. You know whether you're stuck in traffic or, um, you know somebody is breaking up with you or you just ate rotten squash or whatever it is like you can there's benefit from there that's a gift like okay well i'm never gonna go to this place that serves rotten squash and then just like that's it then you don't have to be angry at yourself or them that's it okay i i know i know what bad squash is now and maybe that's the that's a troubling example but <laughs> I'm my, sorry that i talked about squash so much before this but my, yeah, my my point is is we don't have to be emotionally attached to everything that we do because it's exhausting. Mm. And I know it sounds like I'm almost like saying like, "Well, you should be a robot." But what? I, so the flip side of this is <laughs> so. I am very emotional with the things that I care about, but and I always try to filter it with with positive. Mm-hmm. I can control that. And so you're saying like, "Well, how do we go get through each moment?" I even break it down even further of breathing. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds simple, but like when you have anxiety, yeah. you know, when you're drowning, you know, the, mo- the the biggest epidemic when people are drowning is that they panic. And so that, that like, intensifies the situation and they, that's how they drown. Yeah. So if you just remain calm, you may, you survive a better chance, you, you, there's a better chance of survival. Right. I know, but it's so fascinating because like, that that sen- that physical sense of it, right? Or that it, there's it seems like your body just takes over, right? You oh yeah, no choice. You, you get hot. Sudden, yeah, <laughs> but it, it's really the like, those moments of anxiety. I'm never in more awe of my brain and like terrified by it because I really do believe. And this is my own belief. I mean, like you have way more power over your, like your brain can take you to like really terrible places. It's just the most powerful tool that you have more than anything else. But it, it's like your mindset, right? So you. It really is. I think that, like, everyone, one thing I really hope everyone can find out how to do is, like, figure out those coping techniques or that work for you, right? Maybe it's breathing or, 
like sniffing an orange, like carrying an orange with you, and you're kind of just like rip it out and be like, ah, but, it's, like, but it's resetting. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's taking a step back. back. Yeah, so exactly. So rather than charging ahead with all this negative energy of, of insecurity, is just taking a step back and saying, eh, it's not a big deal. Yeah, I, I also do that to things that are on the other other spectrum so I can get perspective. Um, like what? Well, things that are, like, that bring me a lot of joy mm-hmm. is, you know, to not, to just kind of, like, hey, this is okay, too. It's it's very, it's a good moment, but, um, you know, be, just be grateful and keep moving forward. So I feel like the person that lives in extremes would be like... Oh, you're robbing yourself of the, like loads of the lows <laughs> and the highs of the highs. You like it is. Balanced. So that's what I used to be. I used mm-hmm. to be somebody that you know had peaks and valleys emotionally, and what you do. So it's no different than any other narcotic. Yeah. Um. Of, because you want that, and so there's something that you want to strive for, and something you want to avoid. Mm-hmm. So you're constantly seeking. You're constantly pr- emotionally prowling for. The thing that's gonna like spike you, mm-hmm. and things that so when you get depressed, you wanna like it, you just move away from it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, somebody told me, uh, or I think I read that a lot of this has to do with the Western philo- ideology of the fear of death. Ooh, like we're all like. Our society, we're uncomfortable with the idea of dying. Nobody talks about dying, mm-hmm. right? Nobody, um, you know, we, we all the ads on TV is how you know you can fix your face. You can, you know, you have, uh, you know, it, you can take this pill, you know, this Viagra pill or whatever. But you, you'll bleed out your eyes and your ears. <laughs> but hey, you'll have sex until you're sixty. Um, but that direction that will never go down. By the way. Yeah. Uh, but we don't, and you know, so every, you know, young people want to be a little bit older, not too old. And older people want to lie about their age. You know, they want to, they don't want to be old. Nobody, it's not the idea of being old. It's the idea of being obsolete and the idea of dying. And so in the past year or so, I've gotten into meditation. And, and so people who ask me about it and say like, oh, it's so hard. How do you do it? Mm-hmm. Medita- like for me, meditation is just like uh, it's like making a sandwich. <laughs> the way I make a sandwich. <laughs> I don't think I've heard that. Yeah. Movie. So the way I make a sandwich <laughs> is what I want. It's going to be different than what you want, but we're you're going to eat. So you do what you want to do, um, and then so meditation. The 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 whole idea behind that was to prepare you for death. I don't know what happens to us when we die. I'm not a religious person. Mm-hmm. But uh, those moments where you do recalibrate, where you close your eyes, turn off your phone, and just kind of... It's hard. It's hard to yeah. uh, discipline your mind to be in the room that you're in and also not to think about, like, stupid shit. But your your mind is like a... I always see it as like your mind is like a little cat or a little puppy. You know, it'll wander... You don't, I'm picturing a cat or a puppy eating a sandwich. Do you realize? Well, you don't. You don't. You don't take the cat or the little puppy and throw it back in the little y- in your yard, mm-hmm. right? You gently say like, "Okay, come on back, come on," and that's what you do with your mind. It doesn't have to be meditation. It could be anything. You could be in traffic. You could be in line at the bank. I just gently move my my brain back. Okay, it's not a big deal. 
Yeah. The other day, I opened the door for this woman, and she was coming out, and then she put her index finger up, like, wait a minute, and she pulled out her phone and started looking at it while I'm holding the door like a bellhop. <laughs> so my initial reaction so was... So much sass. Oh, my, my God. My initial reaction was pretty heated. <laughs> of course, I didn't give into it. Yeah. And again, I was just, it was more funny than anything. I can't believe this is happening. But somebody who doesn't have that filter of like... You know, just throw her back in the building and close the door. But you see how human reaction, we can go from doing something very kind, yeah. and if we don't get that reciprocated, well, then, like, I'm going to kill you now. Like, we go from here to there. And if you, again, like, if I just, like, detach and say, like, ah, well, it's not that big of a deal. It, it sucks. It's kind of stupid. But mm-hmm. am I going to remember this? Like, well, I, feel, I will remember this like, a month from now because it's funny. <laughs> but it won't have an impact in terms of like me being like I'll still open the door for people. Embittered forever, like never open another door. <laughs> no, and and I actually it's so funny because like, a similar thing happened. Like New Yorkers have that reputation for just being really aggressive walkers. Um, but you would have it on the airplane. Like I'm trying to get off. I'm like, oh, welcome to New York. But we're getting off, and there's like one woman in the aisle, and the other woman's behind her, and like. She's trying to get her bag, and this other woman like starts pushing, and she's like, turns around, and, like again. I think there was a finger. She's like, "Will you just hold on?" And I was like, "Oh my god, here it goes!" <laughs> New York. So what um, happened when she did the other? Well, so the other woman behind her was like, "Oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry," and it was just like kind of this. And then the other woman was like, "Okay, relax," but she's still kind of upset about it. And I was watching this one, the whole thing happen. And I was like, "How many times a day does this play out across New York City of just that like?" People being angry from walking down the street, like you, like you don't even life's too short. As or we're talking about, you know, mortality. But like that was one of the things I noticed in cities. It's like people forget that. I mean, I don't know. Like you have this opportunity to well, exactly what you're saying. Like how much does this matter, real quick? And I don't know why, but like that's what I remember from New York. I knew it was time to go at one point when like. I would get angry with people for not walking fast enough. Right. And like I had nowhere to be. I was not late. I was like, but yet I'm irritated by. I the used to get so irritated. I used to get so irritated with people with the rolling luggage. Oh yeah. It's yeah, like it's so hard to get around haters, them. Huh? <laughs> like God damn it! Get to fuck. Oh man, so many people hate me. I'm that person that like chooses to have a conversation right in front of the subway, like, <laughs> you're, like, right in the entrance, and you're like swerving and like totally oblivious. I'm that. You know, um, so at. Uh, Somebody once, you know, who, uh, well, okay, I'll frame this. So at my job, I we have these, which we'll get into later. Um, but at my job, we have this uh, employer partner, and she was trying to hire somebody for her organization. And so we all interviewed this, this, this candidate. And, you know, and then when the candidate left, I was talking to, uh, her name's Tony, who is, I mean, I am enamored by this woman. She's, like, sharp and, like, just in, you know, hyper intelligent, and she was. So we were analyzing her, and then she said. <laughs> so we were analyzing her. Well, the candidate, like not me, because yeah. I was like, she has to hire her, and I'm just yeah. kind of there. Like I have to work with her, so my she's just asking for my opinion. Um, but she was, you know, so she was basically saying like, yeah, she's she's giving a lot of like she rambles a lot, mm-hmm. and she's like, I think that's a lot of nerves, and she says sorry a lot, and then she said she like for some reason looked directly at me, so like. Never apologize in an email. That's a very femi- That's a very uh, a feminist trait. I went really. She's like, yeah, you don't have to apologize, but a lot of women do that. Yeah. This, oh yeah, the sorry is rampant. 
So I, since then, I never say sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, free so, no. and never apologize No, but it worked. So, like, so there was, like, so I sent an email, like, uh... Let's say I had like a, a, a number, right? Yeah. And then it was the wrong email. So like the, the the recipient. So rather than me, so the old the old me would like reply. It's like oh, a million apologies. You know, it's actually like forty thousand, not you know, not twenty thousand. Nope. I just went correction. Yeah. And then the number. And it felt good, right? Yeah. And I'm sure that person. Thank you, Tony like, Sexton. Look what you've done to me. Unless it's extreme, then I'll be and if the, even in but even in interpersonal situations, I, I don't do it anymore either. Man, Ben, you're like overlapping things that a lot of these things like just have recently happened in my life, where I just had a conversation with a female colleague of mine, and you know we're both like young professionals, right? So I think it's even heightened where I I feel like if I were a woman in the latter stages of my or later stages of my career, maybe the sorry would have been like long gone, but I was coming out of the sorry stage, you know? And and I had this moment, this beautiful moment of liberation from the sorry where, um, like, this is one I interacted with who, well, I won't go into that. You never know who listens to podcasts. But was just really inappropriate in his his response to me. And, like, I was... Professional or personal? Professional, yeah. And so it was really just kind of shocking, but it was also, you know, sort of antagonizing me in a way, like, as if I had done something wrong and then I was very clear that you know I hadn't but my initial gut reaction the first email the first couple lines I wrote was like I'm so sorry that blah 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 right like it was my fault it was a miscommunication problem it wasn't my fault it was no one's fault it was miscommunication right which was everyone's fault perhaps but my first instinct was to sort of try and take you know what I mean like I want to fix this problem yep. and the way to do that is to make it my fault so that you feel better and we can move on and then I, I, I like wrote it and then I stopped and I looked at it and I was just like and then I got kind of angry I was like I didn't do anything wrong this is ridiculous so I rewrote it and I was like there has been a miscommunication these are our options right and I finished and I looked at it and I was like Fuck yeah! And I sent it, and then I like called my friend because you know, like after you like step out of your first sorry email, you like need to debrief it with someone. And I was like, I just wrote this email, and I think I even sent it to her. And I was like, this thing that we do, like it's a stupid email, and yet I had to like call someone, have them read it, and like give me that sense of like, no, that. And she she even said she's like, because I didn't tell her about the sorry part. And I was just like, does that seem like a good response? And she's like. Yeah, I was just thinking, like, I would have been so apologetic and blah, 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 blah. Like, I'm really proud of you for, like, saying it like it really is and, and like, being, you know, blah, 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 and being strong about it. And I was like, oh, my God, I did write sorry. <laughs> it was totally, like, my sorry liberation moment. But it's so true, and I, and I think that it does happen a lot more to women. And I think maybe, at least for me, being young and being, a, you know, young professional woman, yeah. and that it's even harder to navigate because you don't feel like you have the experience, the clout that comes from experience yet. Um, and then being young and, and and being female. I mean, right? It's like it's hard. It really is. But, but like you just said, there's nothing to apologize no, for. No, there wasn't. I mean, but it's more there of the... Wasn't. Yeah, I, well, I can't speak of that. This is just this is coming from somebody who's a high level professional, who's female, who's telling me this, and it just a light bulb went on for me of like, yeah, you have nothing to apologize for, so don't do it. Yeah. That's you know, just until you do have something to apologize for. But it's rare. Like, what could? That's you, what I mean. Yeah, like, it is. I'm sorry, I choked you. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, you blocked your windpipe. Yeah. Are you okay? Seconds. How's your esophagus? Yeah. <laughs> um, before we run out of time, so I have two questions that I ask all my guests. So I, 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 I want to squeeze these in before we run out of time. What's Can my you... favorite dinosaur? 
<laughs> what is your favorite dinosaur? Do you have well, one? Well, I had one, but then I, a, a construction worker in Toronto told me that that was not actually a dinosaur. What is it? That was a great story. Uh, it's a Armadillo? Brontosaurus. Brontosaurus? <laughs> Apparently, that, like, that's not a real dinosaur. Yeah, it is. Like, it is, but like it's actually not called Brontosaurus. Like, we sort of invented... It's it's been sort of like. Well, yeah. There's like the the there's like the 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 paleological whatever like no, no, technical name, like and then there's like the forms. swag name, like T Rex. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm pretty sure like Brontosaurus like is just sort of a bastardized version of like a real dinosaur that no one talks about. Uh, I don't know about that. No, I really didn't do the Brontosaurus. Anyone what, listening to this podcast? That's, please that's, respond with that's what the Fred, that's what Fred Flintstone slide. He slides down the tail. Yeah, well, Fred was wrong too because he was mm. a cartoon invented by someone else who didn't know what the shit they were talking about. Damn. <laughs> I know, but now I'm really like, yeah, I remember being really shocked. But he like went into some sort of detail about it, which really led me to believe him. But oh, so anyhow, <laughs> it's like, dude, dude, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Whatever, man. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> it's like I saw it on a cartoon. How can it be? How could be fake? Um, take who you are today, mm-hmm. and time travel. If you were to see, if you were to meet yourself from ten years ago, what would you say to Emily then? Oh, like go back and okay. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be anything revelatory. I think I would have told myself, just like focus. I think I was so. You know, that's like any teen girl, right? You're just like, you filter everything through this lens of, like, what's, of yourself, right? You're so, you're suffocating yourself with your own thoughts of, like, what you're not doing right, what other people think of you, um, how are you, you know what I mean? It's like, there's so much pressure. And a lot of it came from other people that you put on yourself, right? Like, how am I living up to this other person's understanding of of me or what I should be or how I should be doing. Like, it gets validating a lot of yourself through other people. So I think I would have been like, you know, my sister, that's what I, I really value about her. She was much more of her own person at a much younger age than I was. And I think I would have wanted to say, you know, I was always unique, right, to myself, but I think I would have been like, don't don't let other people dictate so much what you, how you, what and how you feel about yourself, right? Like, it, it's about you and what I'm learning now, right? The more authentic, authentic you are to yourself, the more people are going to be gravitated to you because people respect confidence and they respect um, personality, right? And so I think I would have been like, just, just stop. Just like, like yourself a little bit more, right? Don't worry about what they're thinking. Um, worry about what you're thinking because that's important. What you're thinking. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And how you feel. Yeah. Now? How do I? Oh. No, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> and how you yeah. feel. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what I would that, have that, Okay, that's segue. I'm only going... I'm only... I'm only doing the the pace is only because of the time because I want to get these things. Because you know. know I have to use the restroom. <laughs> <laughs> you have to go. Okay, this, 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 this will be super quick. Okay. Uh, okay. So well, I'll, I'll get you out on this. Uh, so we alluded to this before, um, and I kind of said my answer. So what is happiness for you now? Mm. Such a good one. <laughs> you know, happiness for me. Because I think, um, again, this is not revelatory, like humans, we really should be able to figure this out for ourselves sooner than we do, but it takes as long as it takes. Um, I think happiness for me is um, feeling like I'm working on, I mean, it's two levels, right? I think there's, that all come back to Emily being happy. It's um, working on things, like, professionally or otherwise, that have value to me, that in a greater sense of the word. It's like, 
I do what I do because I see its long-term value in it and it resonates with me very deeply in a way that's emotional almost like you know, maybe you're not supposed to make your work emotional and for some ways that's probably true but for me I have a really hard time investing my time and energy in something that I don't firmly believe in or firmly believe has potential so that's that's happiness to me and, and, and that's why I think a big reason I'm happy now I love what I'm doing and I believe in what I'm doing um, and what I'm contributing to rather it's not it's really not me <laughs> it's more I'm like throwing goldfish in a pond that's like and everyone else is too so it's going to be populated soon and then you know I'm um what we just talked about before I'm, I'm much more com confident and comfortable in, in myself and who I am and and I don't look outward as much for validation as opposed to um sort of being really just kind of like I am who I am and I know I have a lot to learn from those around me and I surround myself with really wonderful people right like that's why I get to be on your podcast, right? <laughs> I got, like, a lot of vans in my life. Um, and that makes me happy, I think. And I think I have good people in my life because I like myself a lot, right? Like, I'm pretty cool with who I am. I got some work to do, obviously. But um, that makes me happy, right? Being, being like, ready to go, like, further on the Emily journey. Like, I don't have to fight myself. I might have to fight other people at some point. But, like, I'm feeling pretty cool with me, right? That's happiness. That's you're you're going to make the apology when you uh, choke somebody out. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I've been saving this one. Okay, I you get it. A, you get it. I'm more of a headlock type of a person. That's my little sister. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. She's like, that. yeah, she's a Brazilian assassin now. Um, okay, so we actually, I think we just made time. So, I just want to say um, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for being a guest. Uh, it is a, um, a privilege and a true honor to be your friend. I feel the same way. Like, how often do you get to do this? this is Not only that, but like, how often do you get to meet somebody in happenstance and continue on your parallel journeys with this with a person? That's really right? true. That's we we I maybe mean, listeners how we met because I think it's a great, especially because you gave me the major cold shoulder. And I know I was such I a like, jerk. Right? I just survived your <laughs> your New Yorker veneer. No, but I warmed up because we we got, <laughs> we went to we went to a bar That's afterwards. True. That's so really it wasn't true. like. That was, and then like I wasn't like that like that guy. much like Scrooge McDuck when I met like when we met. Like, Dude, you were like see, I was like this guy really like probably wants his apartment. I'm gonna play it cool. I'm gonna play it cool. <laughs> totally did it the first time. I would honestly, I'm just so shocked that how nice you were. Like, <laughs> I hadn't been like embittered yet. No, I don't know if I'm embittered still. So. <laughs> I, okay, so would you you'd probably react the same way, right? What? But now, if I met yeah. you, no, 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 no. In this, given the situation, but we're just updating it for. 2015. Uh, yeah, I, I would be that. I'm like unapologetically extroverted. I don't, you know what I mean? It's just like I don't, even if I like feel like we both want the same apartment, my, my I don't know, I think it's just like a natural wiring. My, my inclination is to like create a relationship with you to the extent that like you leave there wanting me to have the apartment because you just like, like, this she deserves this apartment. <laughs> like, 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 that's such a better, like, everyone feels better in that technique than like, I will. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. the, the negative technique, which is like, I don't know. And I We're fire and ice. <laughs> like, it works. And, yeah, we just neutralized each other in, in, a, in a weird way that <laughs> has become something fierce and awesome. Emily, thank you so much. Thanks, man. Can we end with a high five? Yes, just like definitely. Three? Oh, okay. <laughs> so, listeners, thank you again for, uh, for, uh, for doing what you do. Uh, as I always say, you're a part of this conversation, too. You're just on the quiet side. So, Bodhisattva, go out and do good in the world.
Thanks.